0: I wish you were never born. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's why I don't like the game. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 11. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games.
0: Today on the show, we waited for episode number 11 so we could discuss the board game number 9. We are clearly poor planners.
1: Oh, good evening, Josh. How are you doing?
0: I am doing pretty well. We are in the midst of summer here.
1: That is very true. It has been very hot.
0: Yeah, super hot, super hot, super humid.
1: Our garden is growing.
0: The garden is growing. That's true.
1: The puppy is growing.
0: The puppy is growing. He's doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> he is. He's doing great. Still not 100% housebroken, but we're getting there.
0: Yeah, Who is really? <laughs> I have a nice wine in front of me. What am I drinking, Mamie?
1: This is one of our favorites. This is a big, bold California Cabernet. This is the 2014 Albertina Grand Reserve. It's from a vineyard in the Mendocino region of California. So they are a sustainable vineyard, and all of their vines are hand-tended and hand-picked into small bins, and they're allowed to ferment before pressing. Can you taste the hand-pickedness of these grapes?
0: Mm, yeah, definitely taste some hand flavors.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. aged in French barrels, so you can probably get a little bit of that flavor.
0: What you said is true. We typically really do like a, a California Cabernet. It is no just lip service that we make that our, our number five out of five rating, a big, bold California cab. That's what we prefer. Uh, but I don't think we've had one yet on the show. Um, this is This is a pretty decent bottle, and... One thing that I thought was interesting about this wine, I was also reading the back of the bottle, is that this wine, the, the grapes were grown and the wine produced at the same place. And it turns out that's not always true, especially for some of the more inexpensive wines you might see on the shelf. Uh, you might notice um, if you see maybe one of the, the lower end Cabernets, it might just say California.
1: Right, which means that they could bring grapes actually from several different vineyards to produce that one bottle of wine.
0: Yeah, which doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just means there's a lot of wineries um, that actually don't grow their own grapes at all, but they they purchase grapes or even they purchase grape juice from um, grape producers in other regions. Several years ago, we were out in the, the Napa and Sonoma part of California, which was fantastic, by the way.
1: Yeah, everyone should go.
0: And we went to one of these wineries, and, and I, I remember we had been, you know, we'd been to a few places already that day. And and this one, one vineyard and winery was similar to this one. It was like a small family-owned place. A lot of the places you can do a, a tasting—actually, very few of the places can you do a free tasting— um, anymore, but you could pay a nominal fee and you could taste four or five wines. Uh, but this one place, maybe because we had had enough wine already, but a lot of places you could pay uh, an extra fee, maybe 15 or $20, and you could try a little bit higher end wine, what they considered their higher end wines. So this one place I was really interested because they had these Cabernets and, and apparently these, the grapes came from a very, very specific, not just region, but actually a very specific part of their property. So so the wine that you were tasting from these Cabernets were all from grapes that were grown pretty much in the same place. And the idea being um, you would get a little more character from wine to wine because there was uh, a little bit more difference in the growing conditions of the grapes. And so I really thought, yeah, right, like this is really any better than, you know, you get the Cabernet, it's the same grapes from all over California and by God, if it wasn't...
1: It was amazing. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good.
0: Uh, so, so,
1: I think we even bought a very expensive bottle of wine because it was so good and was, because we'd already had some wine.
0: Yeah, we we bought probably our most expensive bottle of wine ever. And, and that was still... I think I was still a graduate student and you were <laughs> a teacher. Uh, so, it was a big purchase for us, but... Well worth it. It was actually it was very good. So this is the type of wine, not nearly as expensive as that one, but one where all the grapes come from the same place uh, where the wine is produced, and I think that is typically the hallmark of a good of a good wine.
1: And I think you can taste it. I mean, I, it, the richness and the the sort of character that it has it's it is a big, bold California cab. It's delicious. So what else is new? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm going to be traveling a lot. I, I kind of think of this is the calm before the storm, because it is Tuesday now, and starting on Thursday, I start almost three weeks of travel.
0: That is true. However, part of that travel will be one week from tomorrow, we will be getting on a plane to go to Orlando for Dice Tower Con.
1: Yay! I'm so excited about Dice Tower Con. I just, um, just this week, Josh tagged me in a Facebook post in the Dice Tower Con Facebook group. And then I joined a group called Analog Gamer Girls, which is uh, a group kind of dedicated to being a space for women who are into gaming, because we are still an underrepresented group. And I've kind of been following that and chatting with some of those girls. And I'm really looking forward to meeting some of them uh, at the con. Oh, and we ordered buttons today.
0: We did. Better late than never. I finally placed the order for our cardboard wine buttons. And I got the proofs, and I think they are going to be super cool. So certainly, if if you are a cardboard wine listener, meet up with us at the con, and we will give you one of our super cool buttons to wear around.
1: Yeah. So we have signed up for a few things. So I, I don't even know all the things that you have signed us up for playing.
0: Yeah, we're we're signed up for a few different things. I was looking at the, the list of some of the games that are going to be there and was trying to be a little bit organized and jot down some of the games that maybe I thought we would both enjoy that we could try to play at the con because you know, maybe I'll try to turn over a new leaf where we actually try playing a game and deciding if we like it before we buy it.
1: What a novel idea.
0: Yeah, I know. So maybe this con <laughs> will be a good idea. So some games that, that I'm interested in playing, Mamie, I think we might enjoy uh, Spirit Island. Yeah, is I've one. had my
1: eye on that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know we, we like games like Pandemic, but kind of looking for kind of a different cooperative experience. That one looks super fun. Although I really am looking for someone to teach us that game. So if you're out there and you know how to play Spirit Island, we would love for you to uh, show us the ropes. And also Reef, Mamie, this one's from the maker of Azul.
1: Oh, I do love Azul.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, Does be, it have uh, sharks? Uh, no sharks. Okay, good. No sharks, yeah. You're actually building a coral reef.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then, maybe we talked about it before, Century Eastern Wonders is out now, and I hear there's going to be at least a copy or two of that. Um, and then there's a couple of games. These are not new games, but a couple old game a few old games that I would really like to try before I buy. Uh, there's a couple from the, the GIF series of abstract, these two-player abstract games, and they all have funny names and And one is yinch yinch yep, and the other is Gif, which is actually what the whole series of these these abstract games, and I thought it'd be cool to try those out I'm we sure we are
1: always looking for good two player games we
0: are, and I'm sure there will be no line for these games because they're very old but i thought maybe you know if we've got some downtime we can we can see if we like those and we're signed up for a game of cosmic encounter which is a game that's been out for quite some time for decades uh, but we have never had a chance to play so we're signed up to play a game of that so that should be fun also a few announcements first we have a new itunes review
1: oh a new review
0: yeah, a new review. So, uh, clearly I refresh iTunes every five minutes. Uh, so, <laughs> I've enjoyed getting our second iTunes review. <laughs> Freed up a lot of Keep time coming, in my schedule. Keep them coming, guys. Uh, Keep them coming. Yeah. So, so this one was from, actually, Andrew in and Raleigh.
1: Oh, is this a person we know?
0: I, d- I don't think so. I don't know.
1: Oh, awesome.
0: We should get to know Andrew in Raleigh. I know, Raleigh. if he's yeah. in Raleigh. Yeah, we should play a game together. Uh, so, Andrew said, Great gaming podcast, I took a solo road trip from Raleigh, North Carolina to St. Louis, Missouri, and catching up on this podcast was great company for several hundred miles. It's a charming format, and I really love the wine game rating scale. And I learned about some great games that I hadn't heard of. Looking forward to future episodes.
1: Very nice. Andrew, hit us up. Let's play a game together.
0: Yeah, let's play some games.
1: I, I didn't know we had enough to make it from here to Missouri.
0: Well, he said several hundred miles. You know, I'm trying to think. We're at uh, probably <laughs> average of 35 minutes. 10 episodes, that's uh, 350 minutes. Wow, and
1: that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. we're trucking right along. Yeah, that'll get you pretty far. Yeah. Um,
0: also, Mamie, I wanted to mention, we are on Patreon, so we are certainly still a new show, but if you are interested in supporting this show, you can visit patreon.com slash cardboard and wine, or you can click the Become a Patron button on our website, and if you do so, to say thank you for your support, we will send you one of these fancy buttons. Nice. All right, Mamie, what uh, what have we been playing this week?
1: Well, we've we've done a decent amount of gaming since we last recorded. We've been playing uh, Downforce several yeah, times. we've Been
0: having a lot of fun with that um, one.
1: It's a lot of fun. I, I do think we need to get the kids in on it, but we'll work on that.
0: Yeah, I think Downforce has has quickly become my my new go to warm up game for game night because you know it's kind of a fun kind of a fun game, and the theme I think the theme's kind of neat the racing theme.
1: Yeah, I, when you first got it out, I wasn't sure, but what I was going to think of a racing game. But it's really fun. And it's it's great for that, like, 15, 20 minutes while you're waiting for, you know, the person who's running late because there's always somebody to arrive. Yeah,
0: and it's kind of a beautiful game. Like, it's very well done. I think with the board looks nice and the little cars.
1: We need to try flipping it over and playing the other side of the board.
0: Yeah, we really should. Um, also, we got in a couple plays of Keyflower. Mamie, what did you think of Keyflower?
1: I liked it. Um, it was It was the kind of game that, I know you love. I like that it's kind of a complex game, but that it goes by pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, we played. We have played actually the extremes. We played a five-player game uh, on our, our weekly game night, and and that was a little bit under two hours. Even though most of the people, I think three of the five folks, had not played it at all. It was their first play. And then, Mamie, when you and I played a two-player game. We played it in under one hour, so yeah. you know it's. I think you're right. It's a surprisingly um, deep game for the amount of time that it takes. I really like the the bidding mechanic with those different colored meeples um, that are hidden. You know, you don't know how many different colored meeples your opponents have, and, and the tiles you can take and bring into your town are dependent on on having the most of these meeples. And it's just, I don't know. That's just a really unique. Mechanism that I haven't seen in any other game. I thought it was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's really fun. And the fact that you can play not only on your own tiles, but you can also play on other players' tiles, but that means sacrificing a meeple. I really enjoy it. I mean, I think it's, it's like some of those deeper games. Like, uh, I believe you guys played Agricola on the week that I wasn't here, um, but a lot more fun.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, no, we did. We had... <laughs> I will say that's probably... The most fun gaming experience I had over the last week or so, you and the kids were actually out of town, and so when the wife's away... You play. ...husband's going to have a crazy night of inviting some friends over for a five-player game of Agricola.
1: (laughs) And I I am glad that you found people to play with you.
0: Yeah, I got to say, I love that game so much. It is
1: probably the most, the one game that we disagree on the most.
0: Oh, and... You know, I haven't played this game. It's been it's been a little bit of time since I played it because it's not your favorite game, so we don't get it to the table that often. But so we have the the old original uh, Z-Man edition of the game that came out like ten years ago or something. So it has all these cards. I think it's got like over three hundred cards, and we just shuffled them all together and dealt them out. And so maybe these cards add so much variety to the game and to what you can do. And actually, this is my my theory is that a big reason you don't like the game is in the early days when we first played this game, um, we were much newer gamers at the time too. And I would say at that time Agricola was probably the most complex game that we owned at that time.
1: Maybe. I think the reason I don't like it is that it's hard to feed your family when you're a farmer. <laughs> well, so
0: so hear me out. So So because of that, um, we played, there's the family version of the game in the rules where you play without the cards. And so right. we didn't use any cards. Um, but what I've noticed is really all of those cards break the rules in your favor and they make certain things easier. In fact, a lot of the cards give you alternate ways to get food.
1: That probably would be helpful.
0: And so I found it uh, much easier to to feed my family playing with the cards than without the cards Although I will say a five-player game, super cutthroat. I mean, certainly you have more actions available to you, but but trying to nab that first-player turn order spot was super important in a five-player game because if you were fourth or fifth, by the time you it never went got around food a few for times, your family. Oh, it was uh, it was really the the dregs. Actually, remember, uh, I was really trying to push expanding my family quickly so I could have more workers, and and because you get a lot of points for for having more more people in your family. But it was really getting to the point where after uh, three or four times around the table, there were no good things left to do with my final family member that I was still having to feed. Uh, So I was jokingly looking at the little tan colored disc in my hand and saying, I wish you were never born.
1: (laughs) That's why I don't like the game is that stress. But maybe I should give it another shot with the cards because maybe that will help reduce the stress level All that right. it causes.
0: Well, I will take this as a contract that you are uh, agreeing to play Agricola with me. So we will do that. And I'll
1: give it one more go.
0: And we will report back. All right, Mamie, are you ready to talk about our game of the week? Let's do it. Number nine is an abstract puzzle game from 2017 where players attempt to build multi-level structures made up of uniquely shaped tiles numbered 0 to 9. Imagine something like Tetris pieces, but slightly larger and more complex shapes. Each player gets two sets of these tiles for a total of 20 tiles. Each round, a card is revealed from a deck consisting of 20 cards matching the tiles in each player's possession. Gameplay consists of playing a tile that matches the card that's drawn. So for example, if the seven card's revealed, each player must place a seven tile onto their structure, either touching one of the existing tiles on one of the current levels, or if the tile can be placed completely supported by tiles underneath, it can be placed on the next level of the structure. After all 20 cards have been drawn and all tiles placed, players score increasing numbers of points for each level up on their structure. Zero points for tiles on the ground floor, the number value of the tile for those on the first floor up, two times the number value for second floor up, three times the number value for third floor up, four times, well, if you somehow get that high, I'm pretty impressed. High score is the winner. All right, Mamie, when did we first play number nine? Why did we get this game?
1: So we first learned about number nine because of our friend Dave. One of the games he brought over when they came over to play was number nine. And, We broke it out, and it was so much fun. I mean, it was a simple game, but immediately we were like, okay, let's order this one.
0: Yeah, I think our game collection has grown quite a bit over the last few years.
1: (laughs) That's an understatement. (laughs) Why
0: are you laughing so hard? Because we
1: keep buying more.
0: More Ikea shelves. (laughs) Uh, But we have almost run out of room for Ikea shelves. But I think more and more I have tried to be on the lookout for games that are completely different from games we already have when thinking about what we're going to add to our collection. And when we first played number nine, it was exactly that type of game. I mean, wouldn't you say it was unlike anything else we have?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think we have any other games that would we would call puzzle games. And it's very, very unique. Just the look of it on the table with the the different tiles that are the shape of the numbers cut out was just really cool, and then once you start playing and you realize the complexity of the placement, you're like, oh, this is really fun.
0: Yeah, so so what do you think about the the components of this game?
1: Well, I mean, they're very simple. It's just those tiles that are shaped like the numbers, and then there's one deck of cards that you flip to decide the order of the numbers, and, and really that's it except for the awesome insert in the box, which I think you and I disagree on a little bit. But the box insert is cut so that all the numbers fit perfectly in their little spots. And yes, it probably takes up more room than is needed. You could probably just throw all the numbers in a Ziploc bag, but I really love how they all fit in that insert.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure this whole game could fit in a quart size Ziploc bag, not even a gallon <laughs> size. But instead, it's in a fairly decent-sized box. Uh, but you are right. The pieces, everything has a home, and they do fit nicely within the insert. So
1: I like that. I mean, and the the tiles are a nice quality, and they're all different colors that are very distinct.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think And the, the tiles, shape of them, yeah, they the really great. cool. Yeah, very easy to tell which tile is which because they're very distinctive. Um, and, and then there's that, that deck of cards. I'll just go ahead and give my obligatory it could have been a normal size a deck of normal size cards instead of mini cards but i'll give it a pass because they're
1: not tiny mini cards well they're not well you i know. mean it's
0: not it's not a big thing but i just always wonder like why not just make them if you're going to have a box that's 10 times bigger than it needs to be. I didn't even, <laughs> Why not put the normal size cards in there? I didn't
1: there? even notice the size of the deck of cards. Yeah,
0: I always notice. <laughs> it's, but that's my problem. Size that's matters, a problem apparently. I well, when it's cards. <laughs> it's these big hands. It's long spindly <laughs> fingers, I guess. Uh, so let's talk about the gameplay of number nine.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the most important thing about gameplay is the placement of those tiles and the placement of the numbers. I mean, as you mentioned, you have to make sure that they are touching a currently placed number. And then as you start to build to the second level and third level and, yeah, if you're lucky, the fourth level. Um, I don't know that anyone ever gets above yeah, a fourth I level. I can't I imagine. Had I
0: Have not even seen fourth level? We've been, had a, I
1: got a fourth level the you? first time we ever played, but yeah, just one. Good. You know, you have to, that the same rules apply. It has to be touching, but it also on the upper level has to be fully supported. And it doesn't sound that hard, but when you see the way the, the different tiles are cut to sh- be shaped like the numbers, it becomes really, really tricky. But it's it's a super fun kind of tricky.
0: Yeah, and one thing that, that's interesting about the game, because um, on one hand, you could say, well... Seems like something this straightforward, it could get pretty stale. I mean, it's the same. Everyone has the same 20 tiles and it's the same 20 cards and you play till you place them all. So maybe that would get repetitive over time. But the order in which you, you place the numbers is different every time because it's completely based on the flipping of these cards and they're going to come out in different ways uh, from game to game. I will say that one thing initially when this game was described to me because because again if you can imagine you're playing a four-player game of this everyone has the same set of 20 tiles uh, two sets of zero through nine and there's the one deck of cards and so you flip over the the seven everybody puts the seven tile down you flip over the two everybody puts the two next to their seven somewhere so my first thought was well what's going to just keep everybody from looking at what everybody else is doing and doing the same thing But that is really not an issue at all, because you certainly, people, you deviate very quickly from what other people are doing, and and that's not a concern at all.
1: Yeah, I think that was mentioned since then. We've taught this game a couple of times, and I think both times the people made a joke, well, I'm just going to do what you did. And they start that way, but it really quickly diverges, and people end up going their own with their own placement strategy. Um, and, and like you mentioned, I think what cards you flip really changed the game. I mean, I know in one game we got all the high numbers early, and so our scores were much lower. But the fact that everybody's placing the same thing kind of equalizes it.
0: Yeah, and they're they're lower because, because as we mentioned in the overview, you're going to start out placing tiles just directly on the table, on the ground floor, and those score no points. So you're trying to balance between putting together a really a really nice base that will support tiles later on but you don't want to wait too late to go up to the next level because you're not scoring any points until you go up to the next level and so i think that is one of the more interesting decision points of this game is when you go to the next level and i will actually say the tagline on the box of number 9 is take it to the next level.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's important. That's key. And it's really trickier than it sounds.
0: The other thing I'll say is this game would be easy to play play solo because you really could just take your own set of tiles and flip the cards over and, and really just just see how you do. It's a puzzle that could easily be played by yourself. And it's kind of fun regardless if, if you're playing by yourself or with others to try to maximize your score and try to do better because you really will get better. Like, you're going to be pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you play. However, like you mentioned, Mamie, that that, that you, score really is heavily dependent on the order the cards come out.
1: Have you been practicing and playing by yourself?
0: I have not played by myself, okay. and I'm also not very good at this <laughs> game, uh, which I'll talk about in just a minute. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the gameplay of, of number nine?
1: I think that's good. So what is your favorite thing about the game?
0: I think my favorite thing uh, are a few things I like about the game. One, I don't I don't know how to 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 put this in any specific way other than to to mention people's reaction to this game that I've introduced it to including my own if uh, you said maybe when when David first brought it over I mean I was instantly hooked I knew halfway through the first game I'm going to have to get this game <laughs> I actually think I went out the next day and picked up a copy of this game. You did. And, you know, I've introduced this to at least a couple other friends who had the exact same reaction, who I know have also gone out and picked up the game. Played this, I mentioned, played this at JoshCon a few weeks ago. And even my friend Toby, who is typically the guy who never wants to replay games, he always wants to just try something new. We played it the first time and he was ready to play again. And I think actually we played it, he wanted to play it three times.
1: Well, and I think the thing with this game is you have to play it once before you're like, oh, that's how this works. And then you want to get better.
0: Yeah, you really do. And and I'll say just the simplicity of it. And that's I think that's true for a lot of abstract puzzle games is they're just very, they don't need a theme. They're just like very simple puzzles that kind of work your brain in an interesting way. And I will say maybe this is one thing I like about it. You know, I tend to gravitate towards... These more deeply strategic games that require planning and optimization over a period of time. And maybe I like those (laughs) because my brain works very well. I have a very strategic mind, maybe, and so I do well at those games. Spatial games like this one, not my strong suit. I'm not sure if I've won this game.
1: But you have fun.
0: I have a great time playing it, which then also gives me a little bit of hope that other people have fun if we play Guy Project and I win every time.
1: I always have fun with Gaia Project. Great. Just not Agricola. Okay. Well, that's different. <laughs> that's different.
0: Yeah, so I think I think this game is good for people whose minds work in very spatial ways and I feel like that uh, people who are those types of thinkers aren't always rewarded in a lot of these strategy board games that we play. And I'll give an example uh So our friend Glenn is very, uh, very spatially minded. He picked this game up immediately. He's also great at games like uh, Galaxy Trucker, where you require placement of tiles, especially under a time crunch. Uh, But we actually, we played 1846. Part of 1846 is a lot of it's just placing these, these hexes of these train tiles, or these train tracks. And as the game progresses, you get these slightly more complex train tracks that have, you know, the, the simplest one is just like one train track going through the hex. But then by later in the game, you've got multiple tracks coming in multiple places. And you have to, as you upgrade them, you have to maintain all the existing connections. So I always have to ask Glenn to like help me see Can how I Can I put this here? <laughs> like, will this tile work there? <laughs> will that tile work there? <laughs> and he's able to just look at it and say, oh yeah, that's the one you want. But I have to just... Turn it around and trial and error. And so now I just ask him and he knows. <laughs> so we all have our strengths, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: I mean, I enjoy spatial games for sure. But for me, this one really hits that sweet spot for me that I'm kind of looking for in a game right now that is pretty quick, easy to get on the table. We can play a game or two in a short span of time, but they're complex. They still get my brain going and they are, you know, make me think and make me strategize, although it's, you know, it's kind of hard to strategize in this because you don't know what numbers are going to come up. But, you know, it's thought provoking, but it's not exhausting. I think I don't have time for the exhausting games right now. And so this really hits the spot.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, that sort of not to go off topic a little bit, but I think that's one thing that that's kind of fun about board games, specifically as a hobby, as something to do for fun, is I think it is really great to to be doing something for recreation that also is giving your brain, uh, keeping your brain active. I think that's kind of. I think that's kind of fun.
1: Definitely. And don't get me wrong, I like a, a heavier game. I'm actually looking forward to having a little bit of more brain space at the con, so we can get in a few heavier games. But on a weeknight, this is awesome.
0: So, so, Mamie, what do you not like about number nine? Anything?
1: So right now, there's nothing I don't like. Like, I can't, there's nothing off the bat that I'm like, oh, like, I know you don't like the little cards, but there's nothing. Um, the only thing I can think of is that it's possible we'll get tired of it. I mean, it's n- there's not really a way to differentiate and, and change up the game um, beyond sort of what it is now. And I think if we played it a lot, we would probably get bored with it. It's not the only game I would want to play for the rest of my life. It's definitely not that, but... There's nothing about it that I really don't like.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's a fun one to pull out once in a while. I, and I think we've sort of gravitated to, you know, we pull it out if certain friends are over and we need something quick and or some newer to gaming. We certainly have not played it as much, just the two of us, lately. I don't think
1: we've played it at all, just the two of us. I think we us. did
0: right when we got it, maybe. But, you know, as far as the you know game getting stale and not a lot of variety... Just just this weekend, Mamie, um, you were out, and my friend Curtis was was over, and Curtis had the idea that we could try to mix it up. Because one thing we should mention too, there's a zero. There is a zero tile, and as we mentioned, all of the scoring has to do with multiplying the number represented by the tile by one, two, three, depending on how high. Yeah. So the zero is worthless. Zero is always zero, Uh, and so Curtis had the idea. How about we play? If you get the zero on the third level, it's worth 10 points. Ooh. And uh, that would
1: mix it up. Yeah,
0: but then the zero, both zero cards came out like in the first third. (laughs)
1: Which day. is great. So I was, mean, you which, want the zero yeah, to come yeah. out early. Uh,
0: so there was really no way we could we could do that. But I thought, you know, there are little house rules That's that you could true. probably put in there little variants to to just make it. You could kind mix of up
1: what numbers you have instead of having two of every number.
0: Actually, you know, what? I should post that variant on Board Game Geek. Maybe people would enjoy that. The, Good
1: idea. Yeah. What about you? What other than the small cards? What do you not like?
0: I can't really add anything beyond beyond what you said. Um, we normally talk about the theme of the game.
1: There's not really a theme. <laughs> There's it's not a numbers.
0: Theme. For an abstract puzzle game, I don't think you really expect a theme.
1: I do think it's weird. This is probably a little bit off topic and not theme. But why do you think number is spelled the way it is in the title of the game?
0: I don't know. That's a great question. The it name is, uh, of yeah, the guess, game is
1: MBR. There are no vowels.
0: I don't know. That's a great question. To be cool, be different.
1: Maybe. Maybe? I don't it's know. weird. I'm an English teacher. It bothers me a little.
0: It does make it hard to search for, <laughs> I will say. Cannot so if you're looking
1: it. for it, it's N-M-B-R-9. Not number, but N-M-B-R. And
0: yes, if you are listening Nine. to this podcast right now, which how else would you be hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you will see it spelled out in the title. But the game looks super cool on the table. So it, it's It's a great
1: game, even though it's neat. it has a spelling error.
0: All right. So... Who, who would like this game? When would we break this one out?
1: You know, I think this is a great game for all different kinds of people. I mean, I think we should try it with the kids. We we keep saying that, but I definitely think they could play it. I, I think it's great that, you know, Toby and Glenn and some of our heavier gaming friends really enjoy it but we've also introduced it to friends that are not into such heavy games. You know, people that are a little bit more casual gamers because it is accessible. I mean, the rules are really simple at face value. I think this is a game that pretty much everybody would enjoy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can explain this game in in a minute. Right. Really. And and actually I plan on one thing that I plan on doing is is instituting a weekly game time over board game time over the lunch hour, maybe on Friday afternoons at work. Cause our friend Jeff that we've talked about is part of our game group is one of my coworkers. And so, uh, we've talked about, you know, doing a Friday lunchtime gaming hour. And I think this would be a perfect game for something like that. And, and actually he has a copy too. And one thing we should mention is if you have two copies of the game, you have enough tile. You still just need the one deck of cards, but you could easily play up to eight players. If you had just two copies of the game. So you really could um, get a big group going, playing number nine together. I mean,
1: you could play 16 players if you had four copies of the game. You could
0: play 20 players if you had five copies of the game. You could play 40 (laughs) players if you had 10 copies of the game. That would
1: be so fun. You know, my school has a board gaming club that I have not been part of for some reason, but I probably should maybe... Do that with all my spare time. That would be really fun to play a big game with a whole bunch of people.
0: Yeah, that would be super fun. So that's definitely something that I want to try. So, all right, Mamie, we have we have spent more time talking about number nine than it takes to play a game of number nine. (laughs) Definitely. So, why don't we give our final thoughts and rating? So, quickly, our our rating scale is a one to five scale based on wine. So, a one would be an empty bottle of wine, sad and disappointing, ready to be thrown away or recycled even better. A two would be a two buck chuck. So bottom shelf, cheap value wine. Um, If you don't have anything else, it might do the trick. A three would be like a wine in a box. It has its time, but there are things you like, things you don't like. Four would be like a nice quality Zinfandel, easy to enjoy regularly. You poured a glass, uh, something you would look forward to enjoying some more. And then five would be just like this, 2014, uh, a big, behold California cab that is only going to get better with age. So, Mamie, where does number nine fall for you?
1: Well, even though we're drinking this delicious cab, I don't think number nine is quite there. I would give it a four. It's like that Zinfandel. You know, I really enjoy it. I enjoy playing it more. Um, I think it's great. It's not as complex and as deep as some of our other games and as this amazing glass of wine but I think it's a very solid 4.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's good and I agree with you. Uh for me this game is also a 4. Certainly have enjoyed. We've played. I think this is the game we've played the most in the last thirty days, and and still having a lot of fun with it. You know, and like I said, I knew I was going to purchase this game immediately after playing one round. You just want to play it again. It's so accessible for for gamers and non gamers alike. I believe
1: Um, you went and bought it as soon as our local game store opened the next day.
0: That might be true. That (laughs) might or might not be true. Um, But but I just love that. I love to have that game. You know, we talk. Uh, people talk a lot about gateway games, or what's a game you can play with with non gamers to get them excited about gaming. And this one, the rules of overhead is so low. Yeah, anyone could jump in within a minute and play this game, even people who don't like board games. If you just like puzzles, like if you have a friend who likes to do puzzles, crossword puzzles or uh, cryptic puzzles or whatever, I think they would enjoy this game too. So it's a fun change of pace even though the scoring is certainly highly dependent on how the cards come out. I've had a good time seeing how my own score improves over time and it, it's a 10 minute game. So for all those reasons, I agree with you, Mamie, this is a four out of five for me.
1: Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com.
0: If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at boardandwine, email us at cardboardandwine at gmail.com, see the games we've been playing on Instagram at cardboardandwine, or jump into our guild on Board Game Geek.
1: Or, like the amazing Andrew, you can leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Since we are still a new podcast, your reviews help new listeners find the show.
0: Until next time, cheers cheers and and
1: happy gaming. gaming!